Do you like to sweat? Do you enjoy working out? Are you looking for new exercise or fitness ideas? Or are you simply interested in learning more about how to live a healthier lifestyle? If you're looking for information or resources on how to use exercise to improve your quality of life, then All About Fitness is for you. My name is Pete McCall, and I'm a fitness professional who's been educated in training personal trainers since flip phones and portable CD players were popular. I started this podcast to provide a source of reliable information about how to use exercise to help you live your best life possible. Just because we're all getting a little older does not mean we have to give up our favorite sports or recreational activities. The main theme of All About Fitness is to feature the types of exercise that can slow down the biological aging process and to help you learn how to use exercise to be your personal fountain of youth. Welcome to episode 24 of All About Fitness. On this episode, I speak with author and founder of Nutritious Movement, Katie Bowman. This was a first for All About Fitness. This interview was the first one I've scheduled through a publicist. Before receiving her book, I had not heard of Katie, but the concepts discussed in her books, including Move Your DNA, and her blog were familiar to me as a fitness educator who teaches that exercise is a function of movement. Here's the thing. If we can simply move better, then we will find that exercise, along with any other physical activity, becomes more enjoyable and will do more of it. We often think of physical activity as a construct of a specific activity like flexibility, cardio exercise, or resistance training. But through her blog, books, and her podcast, Katie Says, Katie Bowman is one of those educators who's out there promoting the concept of focusing on improving our movement literacy by taking every opportunity to be as physically active as possible, which can greatly enhance our overall quality of life. A biomechanicist by education, Katie uses scientific knowledge combined with real-world practicality to reshape the concept of physical activity into holistic, natural movements as opposed to a series of isolated, discrete joint motions. Katie's books include Move Your DNA, Whole Body Barefoot, and the recently released Movement Matters. In a cool synchronicity, I interviewed Jen Sinkler before I interviewed Katie. When I was editing the podcast with Jen, I realized that she made specific references to Katie's work. In addition, another fitness educator who I greatly respect by the name of Jeff Grow referenced Move Your DNA when he taught a workshop I attended this past fall. In our conversation today, Katie and I focus on why it is important to think about enhancing movement through all types of physical activity. And this is no surprise, but research shows people who move more throughout the day are healthier than people who are stuck in the same position, whether it's seated or standing. In our conversation today, you'll hear Katie use the term captive humans to describe how the shape of our body can be dictated by the limited scope of movements we perform in our daily lives. On this episode of All About Fitness, author Katie Bowman and I discuss the role of movement and why it's more important to focus on complete movement literacy and why the concept of exercise may actually be limiting how much we move. But first, a word from the sponsors of All About Fitness. Active Motion Bar is the first resistance training bar where 30% of the weight is a moving mass. An active motion bar can help you strengthen your fascia and elastic connective tissue as well as your muscle, which is important for staying injury-free during the aging process. Research has found that exercising with an active motion bar can be up to 170% more effective than using traditional weighted bars. Active Motion Bar, let the resistance move you. www 
www.activemotionbar.com. Skills is a sponsor of All About Fitness. Skills makes products for all phases of the workout, from warm-up to speed, agility, strength, and most importantly, recovery. No matter what your fitness goal, Skills has a product to meet your need. Use code PM30 for a 30% discount on your order. Skills, fitness and performance products. Be ready. www.sklz.com Vicor Fitness is the maker of the new TerraCore, which is a step, bench, balance trainer, a multifaceted exercise tool combined into one single platform. Go to vicorefitness.com to see the newest piece of equipment that will be taking the fitness industry by storm in 2017. Use the code AAF to save 20% on purchasing a TerraCore of your own. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Vicor Fitness. Better results from better products. Katie, tell me a little bit about the, the book. What uh, prompted you to write Move Your DNA? Uh, I wrote Move Your DNA, I think, to deepen the discussion on movement beyond exercise, beyond fitness, to kind of talk about all of the other movements that humans do and need to do that don't necessarily fall in the fitness or exercise category as we tend to think of it. So I, I once I read a, in a textbook that there were three types of human movement. There was dance, there were sports, and there was fitness. And I just thought that that was a, a really telling statement about how humans, you know, living in a sedentary culture had come to view movement, that if it wasn't exercise, it, there, there was no, there, no movements existed out for humans outside of exercise. So I thought, oh, we need to really broaden this discussion a little bit because people clearly are undermoved. And, and exercise seems to be this only way that we can move more. And I was like, no, there's actually many, many different ways. And so I, I put them all in Move Your DNA. And now what's your background? Like what prompted you to, um, to go down this route in terms of promoting movement as opposed to exercise or fitness? Uh, I'm a biomechanist. Okay. So, so that is, you know, that's someone who studies the kind of the physics, the mechanical laws of living systems, uh, most biomechanics in this state are taught, uh, applied to human humans as the living system, but there are tree biomechanists and there, I mean, biomechanists can work with any living thing, whether it be a river or a tree or, you know, an elephant or a horse, but I just happen to work with humans for my, um, my studies at university. And, and I just thought, because it's physics, it doesn't always apply just to working out, right? There were like, you know, things like breathing and things like swallowing. These are all things that we could potentially study. So it was just, it was just my, my training and my perspective. And that's why I wrote the book. So as a biomechanist, what, what prompted your, your interest in human movement? I mean, what was it that prompted you to go down into studying movement as opposed to fitness or physical therapy or one of the branches of the field? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I studied, I I started in fitness. I was actually working as a trainer and an exercise instructor while I was going 
uh, to school while I was doing my undergrad. And um, I love exercise. It was great. But then I, when I went to graduate school, I, I specialized in, or I guess I should back up a little bit. When I, after I got my undergrad degree, um, I started training and because I had the degree, um, gyms that I worked at would send the people who had special, special needs. Either they had just had a surgery and they had had their PT and they wanted to get started exercising, but they needed something extra because maybe they had a hip replacement or a knee replacement, or maybe they had a heart attack or something. They would send them to me. And so I just worked with, you know, hundreds of people who would all be considered that special population that needed something a little bit different than general fitness. They needed lots of modifications. And so I just became really entrenched in modifications, modifying programs. But at the same time, I was receiving lots of data about, you know, if you see enough people, if if you do anything for thousands of hours, you just start to see trends like, oh, you know, all the same people who had ACL replacements kind of had the same story and they kind of had the same gait pattern and they kind of have the same, uh, history of situations like, Oh, you know, I used to sprain my ankle a lot and then I tore my knee. So I am a data head and I have a knack for remembering lots of details. And so after doing that for six or seven years, I just, when someone would walk in, I could be um, pretty dead on by going, I could tell that you have a fusion at this place. And they're like, wow, how can you tell that? And I'm like, well, because I can see from your gait, I can see from your anthropometric dimensions. And it's just, it's mechanical, like mechanically speaking, if I, if an engineer were looking at a bridge, it could kind of predict where the fail points were. I could do that same thing, looking at different shapes, um, and different muscle distributions to go oh, mechanically. I could see that you'd have a stress riser right here. I can see that when you walk, you're not really hinging at the hip, your low back is what's articulating. And so when I went, um, to graduate school, that's what I studied. I studied what are the movement related details that cause these particular diseases or ailments to erupt? You know, what, what is the mechanical situation of, a hip issue or a spinal issue or, or whatnot. And so it turned out that it wasn't always just what they were doing for exercise. It turned out that it was kind of the way they moved through their life on a regular basis. And so then I just really kind of tuned into like, well, what's the definition of exercise again? I feel like I had gotten entire degrees in it, but no one had ever really clearly defined what it was. And then it was like, okay, well, what's that? What's, how does exercise compare to physical activity And the more I went down these rabbit holes of looking for fundamental understandings of the science that I was participating in, I realized that because everything had become kind of so advanced and now you're looking at Krebs cycles and you're looking at, you know, cellular mitochondria that we had kind of forgot the, wow, like what's the difference between active and sedentary, you know? And so I went back to redefine those just for myself and in doing so realized that what we kind of had as a population was an immobility problem, that it wasn't as simple as being an exerciser or a non-exerciser. And real quick, just where'd you go to, where'd you do your undergrad and, and your graduate, you know, just in terms of being interested at kind of how you went down this field, how you got started down this rabbit hole, so to speak? 
Well, I'm from California, so I went to uh, Cal State University Fresno for my undergrad and Cal State Northridge for my master's. Okay, because Northridge has a really good exercise science program. They have a really good kinesiology program. Fresno, um, that's actually where just, I don't know if you knew Greg Roskopf, um, but Greg Roskopf, who developed the muscle activation technique, Mm. had been a strength coach with the Bulldogs for a little while Mm. before he started going down that and noticing that. And the reason why I ask is is because, yeah, you start – the schools, the scholastic, you know, in the scholastic environment, and I teach um, here part time at San Diego State and at Mesa College, and it's interesting at how rudimentary their approach and how you know they're still stuck in this tradition of teaching discrete muscle function. But what have you noticed? You know, do muscles work in isolated segments? Because you talk about watching movement, and I think that one of the mistakes that people make when they come into exercise, and you, you write about this in your book, is that people have this. Um, this, this habit that, that we'd ingrained in them that they come in they say I want to train muscles but we don't move we, we don't move via muscle we don't move via a muscle activation we move in synergies of movement and, and it sounds like I mean that's exactly what your book is talking about is breaking away from that paradigm of the biceps do this the quadriceps do this let's just get up and move how is what's been the big how have people react to that when you try to get them to move more and think about muscles less. What's been there? How have they reacted? And, and, and do they are they receptive to that message? I think so. You know, keeping in mind that the population that I work with is really they're non-exercisers because a lot of my messaging has to do with, you know, you can parse out a certain amount of time in your life for exercise, right? You've got that hour three times a week, or if you're even more diligent, maybe you have an hour a day set aside and you're thinking about movement, whether you're thinking about it individual muscle wise, or even synergistically, we've almost in that same way that we've reduced our understanding of movement to be, well, your biceps doing this and your hamstrings doing this. We've kind of done the same thing to movement overall. Exercise is that same phenomenon on a larger scale. We've We've parsed out this act that we do of moving for our health. We've pulled it out of the rest of our life, right? It doesn't, it's, you're not getting anything else done. So I think that exercise is the next thing to go in the same way that individual muscles, thinking of individual muscles as, as how movement works. Exercise is also not how movement works naturally. There's a synergistic relationship between moving and getting other things done in your life that are not movement related, like spending time with your family, getting your food, processing your food, um, getting to work, you know, locomo- not just walking, but actually walking somewhere that you needed to go. And so it's kind of like what I teach in Move Your DNA and overall is this idea that we've, we're parsed thinkers. We think in terms of things operating in a vacuum because our scientific way of looking for knowledge is parsing stuff, right? You pull it out, you examine it, how it works in isolation, even though it doesn't actually ever work in isolation in in nature, in the natural world. And so, you know, when you work with science enough, you realize that you're parsing, but the whole idea is to reintegrate, to have a bigger picture. And that's happening with okay, it turns out, you know, the whole kinetic chain is moving and it's not only muscles, you got fascia and, and really what's moving are the cells that make up all of those tissues that I was just describing. That next leap is to go, well, it turns out you really should be moving within your life. You shouldn't have to exit your life to move. And I think that people have been very receptive to that idea because 
deep down, everyone really wants to move more, but they don't necessarily want to exercise more. They can't fathom how to step out of the rest of their life to get any more movement done. And so trying to approach the move more idea, everyone needs to move more. I think that's pretty clear, but it doesn't fit into that exercise paradigm because that exercise paradigm isn't really how it works in nature. So people have been receptive. Well, and, and that's what, and that's what kills me. I'm kind of giggling a little bit because um, you know, I moved to San Diego, my wife and I moved to San Diego a number of years ago. And before that we lived in downtown Boston and downtown DC and we only had in each location. Well, for, for a year I lived in, in Boston before she moved up there and I didn't have a car. And in DC, we only had one car between us. And so we moved so much more. And, and I'm, the reason why I'm kind of giggling a little bit is because people have isolated exercise into, okay, I'm going to go exercise 45, 60 minutes, but they don't think about their movement literacy the other 23 hours in a day. And I really like the term that you use in terms of outsourcing movement, in terms of the fact that we've gotten away from movement as a form of transportation. You know, we'll walk out, we'll amble out to the car, hop in the car, go to work, boom. And then we have to go, we drive to the gym as opposed to how can we incorporate more um, movement throughout the day. And and so I love that. How'd you come up with that, that concept of outsourcing movement? And can you describe that a little bit? Oh, gosh, you know, I'd have to think about when it's, occurred to me. I believe the term came about when I was teaching a class on moving more without necessarily moving more. And everyone was sitting in the chair. You know, you, you probably, I mean, you're teaching, you're used to talking to groups of people who are sitting in their chair. And just to kind of make my point, I was like, what would happen right now if the back of your chair disappeared? <laughs> and what would have happened to, I would say 95% of the people in this lecture that I was giving is they would have fallen backwards on the floor. And I said, what you're doing right now is you are outsourcing the work of some of your muscles, some of the work that you could be doing, you've given to the chair. And thus, when you remove the chair, you'd fall. Meaning if you didn't use the back of the chair, one way to move more right now would be to simply shift yourself so that if that chair disappeared, you wouldn't tumble with it. And that's you reclaiming a little bit of movement. And so I, I just, I don't know where that term outsource came, but then I, it was just a theme and that I used it um, more and more because people can relate to the idea of outsourcing. I think they're more familiar with economical terms sometimes than they are with anatomical terms that maybe people in the industry are more familiar with. So the idea of outsourcing is we, you do actually have to move quite a bit for your survival. You know, a lot of move your DNA is talking about like, imagine you were a hunter gatherer and had no conveniences how much more you would have to move. And it's it's not that hard to imagine it, I don't think. Even if you just sit down on the kitchen floor, you know, you're like, okay, well, there's running water here and I got a refrigerator there and I got a car just outside that can get me to the store and I have online, I can order something to be brought to me. <clears throat> but my point was with outsourcing, it means that some someone else or something else is still moving. It's not like your need for movement has gone away. Someone else is just doing the work on your behalf. So if you look at a meal that you eat, the nutrients from that meal in, in nature, without all of the convenience that you have, you used to have to do all of the work to get those calories yourself. Well, someone else is still doing it, whether they're farming for them or, or picking them or operating the machinery or, or mining by hand still those 
minerals that eventually become the machines or the batteries that will then be operated by another person. Like all of that is still happening. We're just kind of blind to it because we are a particular culture that is extremely privileged in that most of what we get for our survival is gotten for us. And so I really like to highlight, I think that other people have highlighted the social implications and the economical implications and the environmental implications of that outsourcing. I like to highlight the movement implications, meaning these are movements that are still required for you to survive, but someone else is doing them for you. And so you are going to suffer not only all those social environmental issues, but we are ill because we're undermoved. We used to need to move for our survival, but even though we've gotten rid of the need for ourselves to actually do the movement, our bodies still require them. Well, and I think, you know, because for years, that's such a, that's such an important concept for people, for listeners to realize, um, because years ago I heard somebody say, and, and I've, I've, you know, kind of repeated it in, in various things I've, I've done and, and, seminars I've taught, but you know, you, you're absolutely right, Katie, because we used to have to spend hundreds of calories a day to get our food, you know, whether we were farming, whether we were hunting, whatever we were doing, we were moving throughout the day to, in order to be able to get our food. And now the caloric expenditure for a meal is nil. I mean, to, to mm-hmm. point and click, whether you use an app or a computer, um, you don't even, we don't even have to make phone calls anymore. I think certain mm-hmm. uh, certain companies are doing apps now where you swipe right or left to order your meal. I mean, talk about dumbing down if you're, you're using movement literacy you know kind of to tie into the movement dna we're completely dumbing down our, our opportunity for movement and you know um it's one thing that I, that i've noticed that you know as as the world has changed and i'm looking at a map of the world right now in my office because i've done a lot of work in asia and what we've seen in asia for the last 20 25 years is we've been outsourcing first world jobs there right we've been outsourcing manufacturing we've now for the last 15 years been outsourcing software development and coding and now what's happening in parts of asia is they're now they're now being afflicted with type 2 diabetes they're now being afflicted with all sorts of movement issues that they never had before because they were primarily movement driven agrarian rural society especially in certain parts of china and that's changed and now health clubs are proliferating all over the place because people aren't moving they now go into a job at a call center where they're working 10 or 12 hours a day in a call center talking to americans and and they have more money so as they have more money what they do they buy more conveniences and they move less and i really think that this is such an important um such an important concept to get people to understand that movement is essential exercise is different than movement and how can what are some things that people can do throughout the day to increase movement opportunities? What are just some simple little tricks or simple little tasks that people can do that can enhance their, their movement and their functional literacy? Well, my favorite one is uh, sitting on the floor instead of your favorite sitting device, whether it be a couch or a chair. So, I mean, you've probably heard and I've probably even done shows on things like standing work desks, and those are great. Um, But I think when you come home at the end of the day, right, this is like non-exercise time, sit on the floor because you're going to find yourself essentially in these geometrical configurations sitting on your floor, whether you're, you know, doing a puzzle with your kids or if you're watching TV or if you're working on your laptop doing some work after work. Um, You're going to find yourself in a configuration that looks very similar to an exercise you would have gone to an exercise class for. You're going to be using your hips and knees like you would 
had you taken a yoga class or been given some corrective exercise protocol to increase the mobilization of your knees and hips. You're going to have to do a version of a squat to get down and you're going to have to do a version of a squat to get back up. And so just by not reflexively dropping down into your furniture, I call, you know, your couch and your chair are kind of like, they're like equal to the junk food that's in your cupboard. And so you kind of always just tend to reach for them because you're so used to using your body in this way. It's like an eating habit. It's just a moving habit. It's this kind of, it's fast, it's convenient, and it's not very nutritious as far as your body goes. So that's an easy way. Um, I do suggest that people transition from overly stiff and supportive shoes to a more minimal shoe. And these are, these are strategies where more of you can be moved, not necessarily you have to move your entire body more minutes of the day, just in the times that you are moving, more of you is moving when you already are moving. So even if you're only walking to your car to drive to work, or you're only walking to your desk, this is allowing for more parts of your body to participate in those belts of movement. And, and then, that, and that, sorry to interrupt real quick, because I think I just want to point out the shoes real quick, because this is one area that's key that a lot of people may not realize is that movement obviously begins with your foot, because when your foot hits the ground, we have what, 28 bones, 26, 28 bones in our foot. And the amount of joints we have in our foot, it, every, between every joint, we have an important tissue that senses the ground. And so people that wear sh- shoes that are stiff, whether a woman with a heel or a man, man with a dress shoe or a work boot, when you have shoes that are too stiff, you're not interacting with the ground properly, which if people are doing that, if they're wearing really stiff sole shoes, already, no matter what movement they do, it's going to be deviated because they're not accepting, they're not they're not feeling gravity, they're not feeling ground reaction forces the way they should. So I think that's a very important point right there to highlight just minimalist wear. And, and, and do you have a favorite type of, of, of shoe or a favorite type of um environment they would guide people towards. I think that's key, Katie, because just starting with something small like that can make a huge impact on the way that somebody feels and somebody moves. Yeah. I wrote a whole book called Whole Body Barefoot, which is if you do nothing else, transition. And I break down really the science of all of the ways that a shoe can limit, limit the way you're moving. So, I mean, move more, we got it, right? Everyone knows we need to move more, but here's what a lot of people don't know. You need to move more of you, right? That's a separate variable. And, you know, if you pull out all the shoes in your closet, you're going to find that almost every single shoe in your closet has a positive heel, meaning your heel is raised over your, over the height of your toes. So essentially it's like you've strapped on this stiff downhill to your feet and you're perpetually using your joints in this one repetitious way over and over again. So there's a lot of different types of shoes. Um, there's a lot of different characteristics of a shoe that limit your movement in different ways, whether the toe box is too narrow, right? Where, where this natural spreading and articulation, you have 33 joints in each foot. So you just imagine all of the movement your foot could be doing if it were interacting more with the ground, um, there's so many different types of shoes. So whether you're an exercise professional and you're in kind of a sporty shoe all day, or if you're in a traditional office and you need something to, to meet those guidelines, or you want to have a casual dress wear, I have full lists on my websites that I maintain out of all the companies that are constantly doing it. So I can, 
refer you to that later on if you'd like, just so people can see, they can find the exactly the shoe that they need to start with. Because I think, I mean, just, and that little things like that is perfect. That's a perfect example because I think a lot of people that they go, okay, yeah, I know I need to exercise more. I know I need to do this. I know I need to do that. But it becomes so overwhelming sometimes mm-hmm. of all the stuff we need to do. What I try to do is get people thinking about what's a little thing that we can do today. Now, before we wrap up too much, before, um, you know, I got to cut you loose here to get back on your schedule. One of the things I wanted to talk with you about real quick that I think is key, and I love this that you that you highlighted in your in your book in Move Your DNA is this converse is is you you go into the the science of what's called mechanotransduction, mm-hmm. and and I know when a lot of people think about exercise, they don't think about the fact that they're actually making cellular change to the body, but as soon as you start moving, you're making cellular change to the body and so can you give us a kind of like what's your what's your overview and and why is it so important that we kind of that that the average person understands this concept of mechanotransduction well i think it's i think it's just a more nuanced understanding of movement so we're just so used to thinking that Movement, when we hear the word movement, you're just your brain thinks exercise. You're thinking bicycles and treadmills and recumbent bikes and weights and gyms. Like it's just our default thinking because we've been culturally ingrained with that idea. But movement is really this all day phenomenon. You're actually always moving. You know, if we want to look at it on a binary sense, you're always inputting things into your cells. And so what you're doing right now is you're inputting lots of stillness into your cells. So so in that way, your cells are always bending, your cells are always bending and changing shape based on how you're moving and how you're positioned relative to gravity. So you're a body fashioned out of trillions of smaller bodies, and those bodies are constantly adapting to what you do most frequently. And so I, I would say a lot of people kind of think of themselves as having, you know, some broken physiological part, right? Whatever, whatever it is, you're like, oh, I have this problem. I have this ailment. But a biologist would really look at that problem or ailment a little differently. They would say, well, that issue that you're having is not faulty physiology. It's an adaptation to the habits that you have, to the environment that you're keeping. So your physiology is actually responding perfectly to the lifestyle or the habits that you're having. And so moving more is changing the way that you're bending the cells so that you adapt differently. You're adapting to that movement. And the adaptations aren't always the fitness variables that we think. It's not, you know, a lowered resting heart rate or lower blood pressure or a shift in body composition. It's those things too, but it's also things like the number of mitochondria and the way that they are using energy within your body. And, and it's, it's much more subtle, the effects because movement is actually very subtle. It's all, every cell is either moving or not, or moving in a particular way versus another different way. And the more nuanced you can think about movement, I think it starts to shift your ability to see all the ways that you can fit more movement into your life. I think that when we think about movement as big, big, clunky, you know, there's three types of movement. There's, you know, cardio, flexibility, and strength. And when we think about it clunky like that, then our options are kind of, well, then I have to take this class. I have to do this hour. I have to go these miles. I have to, you know, it's it's very it's just these large hours 
outside of your regular life. But when you think about it, it's like, well, it's actually happening on this minute level. Then you can see sometimes the benefit of dropping down the extra 12 inches for your knees and hips to rest on the floor. Or you begin to see why shoes that allow your toes to spread the entire way or don't force your calves into this plantar flexion, you you begin to see the value of that slow accumulation of tiny movements because you realize that movement, that your body is really the shape of, of adaptation to all of those tiny inputs. And that's just, I mean, mechanical instruction really, the concept is that cells adapt to the forces. I mean, you know, you, mm-hmm. you go into a little overview of Wolf's Law, which applies to bone. You go over, um, and there's Davis's Law, which applies to soft tissue. And that's what I really think is not spoken about in a lot of the popular in the popular fitness media out to consumers. I mean, we talk about it for professionals. We try to get professionals. I'll say we try to get professionals to understand it. Um, but, we, you know, I think it's important for consumers to understand that every time you move, all the cell, cells in your body are getting are receiving the force, gravity, ground reaction. They're they're receiving momentum. Um, when you don't move, they receive inertia. And the more movement that you can incorporate, just adds more information into your body. And if you have a relatively limited movement envelope, meaning you you don't do much movement throughout the day, then you're really not stimulating all the cells in your in your body the way they're designed to do. The analogy I've used for years is like leaving a car in your backyard. If you leave a car in your backyard, it's just going to rust and fall apart. But if you keep a car in, in your driveway, you maintain it, put oil in it, and run the engine, and, and take proper care of it. It, um, you know, it's going to last you, you know, last you a lifetime. Would you say that's kind of you know the concept to move your DNA is just that that the more you move, you the healthier you are. Is that is that what you're trying to get people to understand? That's that's half the concept. So there, the thing with mechanotransduction is it explains that. The benefit of movements are local to the area that are moving. So if you, even if you move your whole body more, like let's use like running or walking as as an example, you, that the cellular adaptations aren't always systemic, meaning there are some benefits to exercise that if you just moved more, that, that, that all of the cells would benefit from you just moving more. But really, I would say the crux of move your DNA is this additional point where you have areas that are sedentary within an active body and that that's itself a problem because you can be someone who's very, very active. Even if you're like, I exercise or move already like five hours a day, my next point would be, well, you want to make sure that All of your parts are moving, though, because there are some adaptations, there are some benefits that are mechanic transduced that are only transduced through local activity. So if you have a casted part of your body, let's say you broke your arm and you're casted it, but you were otherwise faithful to your exercise program, let's say it was five or six hours a day, that arm is not going to be as healthy, the cells in that arm are essentially sedentary. They are receiving a sedentary message. So yes, all of you is elevated for moving, but we really need to kind of start breaking up our understanding of movement and health to not really be whole body states. They really are local cellular states. And now just, just out of curiosity, do you have a for yourself, I mean, do you have a favorite physical activity that you enjoy? That's something that kind of, based on your knowledge and based on you know your your studies as a biomechanist, would you have like a favorite activity that you that you feel kind of really gets you charged up? 
Well, you know, I have been working for 10 years to kind of stop exercising um, and really put movement back into my life, meaning that, um, you know, we don't have a, a gardener. We live in a rural area. I've started, you know, you know, chopping your own wood and stacking your own wood. And so my life itself is very is very dynamic. Now, walking is still my favorite thing. And I walk to accomplish something else. That's a, that's the difference between exercise and physical activity yeah. is, you know, when I'm doing something else. So walking for transport or really, I didn't use any strollers with my two children. And so there was a period, they're five and four. So we carried them exclusively. And I thought I was, a, I mean, my years of fitness and being a competitive athlete and all these things did not prepare me <laughs> for carrying, you know, five to 10 miles a day, this thing yeah. that was, you know, the, you know, the law that, you know, we all learn the law of like, oh, you're going to pick up a cow every day and the cow's going to get, you know, the law of specificity. I lived it. I lived carrying these kids, um, for years and I still carry them cause we still walk quite a bit and they could all walk a mile before they were one years old. And, but, you know, we still go far and just to watch and live that and go, you know, this is a workout I can't put down. Yeah. This is, and, and that was, that's been the, I still think the happiest, um, both happiest, joyful and physically rewarding part of my life so far. Well, and that's one, it's funny you say that because that's, I, you know, we did that. We lived near downtown San Diego and I'd walk up half a mile to go get my kids from daycare and I'd put them in, I'd put the younger one in they're four and two now to put the younger one in a Bjorn and the older one in a backpack and walk them over to the, to the park. And, you know, you're absolutely right. Carrying your kids is a whole different workout, you know, and, 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 and now that we live in the suburbs and, and I just joined the minivan club, which is, oh, that's <laughs> an, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, it, it just, I'm noticing it, that my physical literacy is actually declining to a degree. And, and I've been, you know, first I've been struggling, okay, how can I add more physical activity and more movement throughout the day? And so if, if, if that's something that, that you and I, you know, with the background that we have to pay attention to, it's really important for listeners to say, okay, what, you know, you have your exercise, you have your favorite classes, you have your favorite workouts, but just be smart about what can you do to add more activity throughout the day? Look for those opportunities to move because I think overall it's suggest your health any final thoughts any final things that you want to share um one of the things well real quick tell me a little bit of story um and, and we'll close with this um about the orcas i really love kind of what you write about with the orca and why that is why and why that can be relatable to to who we are and what we do is as humans the orca was i threw that orca analogy into the book at the last minute but it seems to be the most popular visual because i think people can relate so if you go and google sea world orcas you will see that the orcas in captivity especially the male all male orcas and most females they have a folded dorsal fin and it's it's just arced over and it's stiff in a folded, it's not, it's not really a floppy. It's, it's folded and it's stiff. And, and one of the way orcas in captivity are forced to move in a particular way, right? Like their, their movement is almost nil compared to their movement in the wild. Um, however, when they do move, they're forced to swim around this circle, right? So they, they swim as they're going through essentially orca puberty, right? As their, as their fin is growing from this, 
shorter to a longer state, it gets soft naturally because it's growing. It's just um, like fiber cartilage in there, but they are swimming in circles. And for some reason, they all swim counterclockwise. I don't know why. Um, And their fin folds over. So, you know, if you swim around, there's kind of this accelerating force. And then after they're done growing, it's natural for the fiber cartilage to harden and they're left with this folded fin. And I I use that analogy in the book to kind of say, you know, our bodies, they're being shaped by our mechanical environment. We're just not used to considering it. And, you know, you talk about the end consumer mover who's listening. You can rest assured that really people in the upper echelons are barely thinking about mechanotrans. I mean, mechanical forces were pulled out of biology hundreds of years ago. They only have been reintroduced maybe 20 years. And they I think they pulled a large number of physical therapy schools. And the word mechanotransduction wasn't even in any single textbook or part of the curriculum, right? So it's not really even... Yeah. I mean, it's not even like an end user, like, oh, you guys just don't know. Nobody's really talking about it. We're at a whole new mechanical understanding of biology. And it's not only in movement, it's in all of biology. Cells themselves have been studied really essentially in Petri dishes only, which is in captivity, right? So, (laughs) you know, so it's like, it's like, we're looking at orcas and we're going, oh, you know, if there were no orcas in the wild, if you looked at these orcas in captivity, you would just assume that this was the natural structure, right? They're getting exercise. They're swimming every day for hours. It's like, yeah, but in the wild, they're swimming forward for long distances. They're diving, they're jumping. Like, so the diversity of movement in the wild and humans have a wild too, right? We essentially are captive humans, which is part of the message in move your DNA. Part of the compassionate message in move your DNA is like, you really are more like an Orca at SeaWorld than its natural counterpart. And so we're our, the shape of our body is kind of because we're doing this very narrow swimming. And, and now we've got like, we have like these therapeutic ideas of using movement as a corrective, where like if, if we were the orca, what would we do now? If the orca came into the gym, what would you do? We'd be like, all right, I'm going to foam roll out your floppy side. You're going to do, you know, fin crunches to the left to balance out the tent. Like that, that's the approach that we have Yeah. as opposed to looking at, well, let's get out of the tank a little bit. Let's, let's make our movement profile a little bit more diverse. And instead of continuing to swim in the tank after you're done with your therapy session, which puts you right back in, let's, let's expand the dialogue about movement and really see what's all available to you because we actually are not in a tank. You can let yourself out to whatever degree you want. And I do recommend transitioning, but once you do, you will find that that movement affords you a structure that, that affords you maybe more even the life that you are after. I like that. I really like that concept because you're kind of like releasing us from captivity. I mean, it's almost like going into, um, going into what's that now I'm, I'm thinking of Keanu Reeves in um, the matrix you know we're, we're living in a matrix right now where we kind of go through these automaton lives of you know office gym home office gym home and it really is just literally breaking out of your you know breaking out of your tank and going mm-hmm. out and climbing through the wild well Katie I really appreciate your time this morning it's Katie uh, Bowman the author of move your DNA do you have a website Katie that people can go to or do you have your book of it where, where can people find your book 
You can find the book at your local bookstore or at all online retailers and uh, nutritiousmovement.com is my website. I'd like to give a big thank you to Katie Bowman for taking her time to have a discussion with uh, All About Fitness, and hopefully that helps you think a little bit differently about exercise. As we discussed in our conversation, I think too often we get hung up on the fact of what type of exercise are we doing? Are we strength training? Are we we doing a class? Are we doing a certain format? When in reality, we'd be much better served if we look to find opportunities to move more throughout the day. That means getting up and standing up. You know, if you work at a desk, getting up and standing up a couple times an hour. That means taking phone calls while standing up. Have a walking meeting with with a colleague instead of you know being in a conference room and sitting down. Try to have a discussion with colleagues where you're up, you know, standing, you're moving, or you're walking. And I think you'll find that sometimes you get more creative ideas. I know that's been the case in my experience. Often when I'm in meetings, whether I'm at a at a client's uh, office consulting or if I'm uh, attending a workshop or you know, helping develop a workshop, it's hard for me to, to remain seated for an extended period of time. And at home, I have a standing desk. And when I go out and work out in the field, which I mean, what I mean is when I work at various Starbucks or various coffee shops, I always go to one where I can can use a standing desk. And when I travel, I have a, um, I have a club membership at one of the airline clubs. And I do that specifically because I can use one of the standing desks at the club membership to stand for a little bit between between long airline flights. The point is that we want to look for opportunities to move more because it's not just about exercise. It's not just about going to the gym, but it's about looking for opportunities to be more physically active, to include more physical activity throughout the day. I try to do that with my kids. And when I go to the playground, I'm often climbing on the play structures with them if there aren't too many other kids around. So hopefully that gives you a, a new idea or a new, a new concept or a new, new thing to try to add to your life. And especially as we get older, you know, try next time you go to a playground, if you have kids that you're taking to a playground, try, try swinging on the monkey bars, try climbing up the slides, try doing some of the things your kids are doing and just to, to number one, to have a little bit of fun with them and two, to connect with them a little bit. Um, and I have Katie's, uh, Katie's website down below. Katie has some great images of, of how she and her family incorporate movement throughout their day. So she's not just, you know, talking the talk, she's walking the walk. So with that, uh, thank you for tuning in for episode 24 of All About Fitness, where we're discussing movement. If you are enjoying these podcasts of All About Fitness, please take a moment to give me a review on either iTunes or Google Play. Um, doesn't take much of your time, and if you review it, then it helps uh, bump up the search rankings a little bit. And please uh, take the opportunity to visit one of our sponsors. If you're looking for new exercise equipment, I recommend Skills sklz.com if you're looking for strength training activemotionbar.com has some really unique uh, equipment coming out and if you're looking for a great at-home product that can provide a number of different functions i highly recommend you take a look at terracore go to vicorefitness.com to to check that out so thank you for tuning in and until next time stay fit stay active and have a wonderful day